Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of interviewing and having a chat and a conversation with uh, Lexi Bykova. Uh, welcome, Lexi. Hello. Hi there. Good to uh, see you and uh, speak to you today. I'm just going to tell our audience a little bit about you. Uh, you're a former executive, uh, event producer, university professor, HR director, uh, so a wealth of experience there, but you're now a leadership coach, uh, resilience and change mentor and, and public speaker. And, and I love this about you. You've got this uh, personal ambition to start a chain reaction where you want to help and empower a thousand female leaders who will then in turn uh, empower a thousand each themselves. So together you will impact a million lives. That's a wonderful ambition and a, a great thing to go for. And uh, I do wish you success in that. So as I always ask everybody who comes onto this show, because uh, I'm nosy and curious, is um, what do you love about what you do? I love when people can live up to their full potential. And what what really bothers me is that some people are able to go long, like uh and some people are able to go strong. My biggest passion is when people can go strong and long. So help them find that inner support system that makes them uh, thriving in whatever environment they go and uh, not just drag their feet through life, you know, not just work and, and sometimes rest and play, but to have a fulfilling life where they enjoy themselves doing whatever they're doing, no matter if it's having rest and enjoying their relationships or being completely productive in their work environment or their hobbies and creativity. Brilliant. And I'm curious, what got you into that? Have you, have you always had this in you about sort of this wanting to see somebody's potential unlocked? Yes, because my background is I come from the Soviet Union, uh, which was uh, very, uh, you know, very uh, depressing. And people were basically limited in what they could do. And they were told what their options were. So they didn't have much choice. So that that bothered me. And that was my major drive, especially in my younger years. And I really wanted to change the world. And then uh, it kind of evolved into something more meaningful and deeper. I'm not trying to change the world, but I rather love seeing people finally discover and believe sometimes for the first time that they can thrive in this life. And mm. they are the ones who actually decide and choose how to be fulfilled in our lives. That is my biggest passion, yes. And it does come from pain in a way, but uh, that pain is quite far in time today. So today it's coming more out of just loving people. And I have worked with people from 95 different nationalities wow. all over the world. Yeah, it's interesting because adversity or challenge in our lives can actually propel us forward and propel us to a passion or a mission 
and obviously that's done with you if we choose to and it's it's the choices we make and that's a really important thing to do and uh, and why not if you want to change the world i think it's a, it's a great ambition but you're, you're, you want to change and impact a, a million lives which is uh, is incredible um so today I, w- I want to explore you know this whole aspect of of burnout burnouts become a little bit more prevalent uh, prevalent in terms of um where we are now with all the pandemic impacts and we know that you know um, stress and burnout are sort of very different but they're sort of linked you know long-term stress can lead to burnout but stress is just more of that being overwhelmed and the pressure situation and and it's okay occasionally to be stressed uh, but burnout is when you feel completely empty completely exhausted and you've just got nothing in you and it's a it's an unfortunate state to, to get in so we want to explore that and i just want to get your thoughts on at the moment what you're thinking at the moment about burnouts and and what organizations are going through right now Lexi so burnout is a, is frequently attached to depression but it's not necessarily depression although um a lot of people with burnout can have depression simultaneously or they can express it in this way saying that they're depressed it's more toxic uh compared to stress because people lose the perspective of the value that they provide. So they it literally comes out in phrases like, my work doesn't matter, who cares if I do it or not? Or even when they're working with customers, clients, or their team members, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if um, what happens to them. So, and in that sense, it's not just um, losing a team member or a worker due to a let's say, a a different health issue. But in this case, it is literally affecting the bottom line for the company as well. Because Mm. even if they stay in the workplace, they're not productive and sometimes even toxic for the entire team. Mm. And so obviously as leaders, it's we have a responsibility to observe, not only obviously within ourselves, because the key thing is to ensure we don't, as leaders, don't get burnouts, but... How do we observe and spot it in our teams? What are the sort of telltale signs or symptoms or things that people do that make us think, actually, these guys are potentially looking like they're in a burnout situation? So before we get to how we stop it, but how how do we sort of recognize it, I guess? Right. So uh, it is described, uh, Christina Maslach, Maslach, I'm not sure I'm saying her name uh, correctly. She was the first, one of the first um, researchers into burnout. She described it in terms of emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, like people are unattached uh, and they they don't connect on a personal level and reduced feelings of personal accomplishment. And it does, in their conversations, it does come out, it may seem as though they're depressed. Although, like I said, we throw the word depressed a lot. So it does mm-hmm. not necessarily mean that. From my experience, I personally lived through two burnouts. Oh, really? And, okay. uh, yeah. And, uh, and that's another problem. It takes a long time to recover from it. Even when the, you are a highly conscious person and you want to change it, you want to recover. In my case, it took over a year each time. So what what, what were you, what were you, what, what caused it, but also what sort of things were happening in that burnout? I'll explain now, uh, uh, 
it like there are two types of burnout that I discovered. And when I worked with people, uh, I worked in remote teams since 2009. So that was our constant issue. How do we prevent burnout in our workers who are working remotely? Um, so what I discovered, there are two types of burnout. The first type is when people are like frontline workers, high pressure, fast pace, lots of change, uh, constant change, and they have to deal with that on an ongoing basis. In that sense, burnout will have more physical symptoms like uh, energy drain, you know, uh, then they become apathetic and uh, later, and it can be connected with um, physical conditions. And uh, so in that sense, that's one kind of burnout. And today it's especially, especially important. And also people live under pressure, like in COVID, frontline workers live under this almost guilt that they're going home and they may be contagious and they are threatening lives of their family members. And that is another type of strain on them that they struggle with a big time. So this burnout will require medical help, uh, therapy to restore physical energy because mm -hmm. it's, it's completely drained. And the second type of burnout is when people feel uh, that they are meaningless, that they don't provide any value, mm -hmm. that they're being used as a resource. Right. And that's, yeah. And that usually happens when company, uh, companies don't have values that correlate with people's values, like people on the team, mm -hmm. or they don't, they don't have a common mission or they don't communicate those values well. So they're, they're just using employees as a resource. They come to fulfill certain tasks mm -hmm. and nobody cares. And that happened in the corporate world in the past, I know, where they would just cold-bloodedly burn through workers and they knew they could always hire new ones like fresh mm. graduates and they would be happy to take those jobs. So these are two different types and I hope mm. it helps. And so the second type, people become demoralized, disillusioned, and uh, that is also a dangerous type of burnout because they may entirely quit that career or, mm. you know, just... Uh, yeah, be actually what was that was that the type of burnout you you experienced yourself in terms of that? I did, one? I did. My second one, uh, we had issues with the leadership that was not uh, that was not ethical. There were conflicts, and um, I was um, I don't want to bring up any names or, or <laughs> like company names and stuff, but I was responsible for other other team members. Uh, was an HR director there. And there was this constant conflict between uh, the values, you know, and that's another big thing in um, burnout. People didn't have freedom to actually say what they meant and what mm -hmm. they believed. There, were, there was no openness to share and there was no trust between the leadership and the team members. So, and in that case, we're in a high risk scenario. And how did you? So you experienced it, and it must have been it must have been terrible. I don't, I don't, I've never experienced burnout. I've been stressed and everything else, but not burnout. How did you get yourself out of it? I mean, did you? Was it other people that helped you, or did you sort of realize yourself? I mean, what, what was the scenario of you coming out of burnout, and then obviously from it, you've learned a huge amount of lessons from it. 
Well, I was lucky. I I had coaches and I was in a five-year-long leadership uh, mentorship program. Uh, so I had people uh, seasoned and uh, very wise who supported me and helped me. And they gave me that freedom to actually evaluate it in a healthy way. And then also, yes, we did have higher levels of leadership get involved into a situation. There was a large change within the organization. and But I went on a year-long sabbatical. Just uh, So they basically wanted to support me. And I took that sabbatical. And that was that was the time for me to, to process everything and get mm. that nourishment like spiritually emotionally yeah and what, what were those sort of steps that you did in that time to sort of get yourself back to yourself during the sabbatical yeah what, was there any sort of specific things that you thought actually i i did this and i did this in terms of you know because it's important to have i guess a way out isn't it almost like a, a, a sort of a roadmap of, of a, a process so for me, it was going back to what is your internal support system? This is this is the song that I keep singing all the time. No matter what happens in our lives, what I see, like we speak about resiliency, we speak about, you know, uh, like emotional strength, mental health. What I observe is that people who have strong inner support system, they recover better and they can... Uh, they can go stronger and become stronger. And that internal support system, one of the key cornerstone is, um, is the stories that we tell ourselves and the words we choose to tell those stories. Yeah. Yeah. And that always goes back to our core values. Who am I? What do I live for? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Hmm. What is the purpose and the direction for my life? And uh, some people are skilled and trained at doing that. They can go into that themselves and some people need help. But it always goes back to values, to relationships in your life and to like understanding self, self self-assessment, core drivers, things like even things like that I believe I deserve or don't deserve in life. So it can Mm. go pretty deep. So it's almost going back to your almost like your core purpose. Right. I guess yeah. in terms of what we're here for, what's our drivers, and that gives us the energy. Why do you think knowing your purpose and that sort of internal support system really does help you become a resilient and then ultimately, you know, defend off any sense of burnout? What is it about knowing your purpose that creates that almost, I suppose, a shield of, of protection? So I'll give an illustration. Uh this inner support system, I call it the foundation. Mm-hmm. And so that that support system and knowing yourself, basically when you're building something, any construction, you on the level of foundation, you'll know how tall the construction can be, like its upper limit. Uh, on the level of the foundation, you'll see how deep it goes and how much it's fortified. You'll know if it's going to be a one-story building or a skyscraper. In that sense, knowing that and understanding self and that self-awareness, having that stronger foundation, what it does for you is that I know, for example, my negotiables and Mm non-negotiables. When I find myself in new situations and which is happening to the whole world today, where I have no clue what's going on, 
But because I, I know my core values, for example, my core mm. values are freedom and dignity. And if whatever situation and scenario I'm stepping in, if I see that dignity or freedom is not supported there or violated in some way, I will not even accept that scenario, period. Mm. It's non-negotiable. So it's just one brief example. Mm. That's really helpful, actually, because it's it's that it's almost having those internal boundaries set, whether they're based on values, beliefs, purpose, whatever it may be. Um, and I know I know myself. You know, my, my purpose is to unlock the leadership potential of a hundred thousand leaders, and and that's sort of a core thing. And it goes beyond just Peter leaders. It's it's in all what I do in my life. And it's interesting when I get involved in projects with people. And, and I get very excited sometimes and I think, oh, that'd be really good. I, I always go back and go, does this align to what I'm trying to do? What I'm trying to achieve? What, what What's my source of energy? And if it does, I go with it. But if it doesn't, and I've had a few moments where I, I realize actually it's not. And then that's when I'm starting to push myself into a place of stress and ultimately just doing too much. Um, and so it's it creates that internal boundaries, which are really important, aren't they? And I think that's the, the biggest thing and to help people sort of move forward so what other ways can we help well leaders or organizations um create a, an environment that um prevents i guess burnout well one of the things uh first of all figure out is it burnout or is it frustration mm. and um and, and i'll explain and frustration by the way could be good news because frustration has to do with operations and processes so what happened in, uh, in the pandemic is that people uh, shifted everything, everything moved back home. And I remember uh, last year in March talking to a professional and she was dealing with frustration 100%. She had to share her laptop with her two children who were at school. And uh, one child was very young, needed her presence to help him figure out Zoom. And she had to carry client meetings on Zoom. So that was frustration. It's a process that can be simplified and minimized, you know, and just by providing workers with extra laptops or helping them with their internet connection, mm. like that. Um, That's a real sort of practical resource thing, isn't it? That's really right. helpful. So it's not if, if uh, it's not necessarily just because someone is complaining or having a hard time that they're already in the burnout or headed mm. there. Uh, so it's just looking at companies' processes. For example, if an offline scenario, they needed that extra signature, but now they can't get that extra signature and it's part of the company's policy, right? That could be eliminated as well or changed. So first of all, look at pro if, if workers are dealing with something, check if this is a process thing or if it's, you know, it can be simplified, streamlined or eliminated. Mm. That is one first step to take. The second step to take is to um, embrace the new reality of work life. This is not the industrialization er era anymore where work and life were physically uh, apart and people physically had to move their body. First of all, in their commute, they had the time to kind of zoom out of one area of their life mm. and move into another. Today, they don't have that. And um, even when the world goes back to normal, we're all talking about the new normal. I think 
this will still stay in some shape or form. And so uh, embrace that reality and help people how to separate their work and life in mm. where they are right now. And we think that people know how to deal with change, but actually they don't. And they need help. I remember a conversation recently where it was a huge discovery for that family to introduce family dinners back into their into the fabric of their life because that was lost. Mm. And family dinners with no screens, no phones, nothing, where they just all sit together and talk for one hour over their meal. Mm. And that was revolutionary. So <laughs> Yes, no, it's true. And it's interesting that that commute thing, uh, I mean, I've been working from home for a number of years now anyway, but um, that process where people leave work and then reflect on the day, it's it's part of a a healthy process of reflecting and time out, usually on your own. You might be in a a train with other people, you're in your own sort of space. And it's almost trying to almost recreate that. And I think people are working from home, they get up, they're straight onto the laptop, we work longer hours potentially um what sort of things are you doing or you're aware of other people practically of cutting into that time are they sort of literally forcing themselves to go for a walk before they work or lunchtime it's that trying to create a space isn't it yeah i personally actually now cut my day in morning and evening like it works for me and have a really long break in the during the day because that's when we get the most sunshine at least Mm. now in winter yeah and not feel guilty that's the problem people almost feel guilty for taking a break or going outside because they were not used to that before but exactly Doing something, moving, uh, moving our human physical body in some way because we're so not used to that. I was speaking to a designer who said that their client asked them to build something like a phone booth in the house <laughs> that looked like a phone booth so that they could just literally lock themselves into the phone booth for for you know for a few minutes. Um, yes, it can be taking a walk. Also, all those uh, time management apps, if they, if your team members find it helpful mm-hmm. uh, to for concentrated chunks of time. Oh, oh, and another big thing, everybody's talking engagement today. So this is the revelation season to finally realize that nobody ever works full eight hours, at least for office workers. Uh <laughs> Even in back in the office times, people, uh, I read different studies. Some said that they work maximum five hours a day. Another said maximum three hours a day. And the rest is spent uh, in cooler walks, you know, coffee breaks, having Chatting, yeah. Yes. Um, so to acknowledge that, okay, this is a reality. And when I worked with remote teams, we never had schedules. We never had rigid times because uh, my policy was we reward efficiency. If you can be done in two hours, fine, and go have picnic with with your children in the park. Mm. No problem. So I guess it'll have to come back to what do we measure as efficiency for departments and give them that freedom and not like not um, put the pressure that they have to sit at their desk for the amount of hours. 
Mm. And by the way, like that's conveyor belt thinking anyways. It's, I don't find it helpful, right? No. And it's sort of, it's, it's empowering people, isn't it? It's, it's saying this is the task or the job I'd like you to do. If they do it in a shorter time or they get really up early and they really focus, then as long as you're available at some point throughout the day, because of it, depending on the role you're in, yeah. then take a two hour lunch break. Because I agree with you. I don't think people in most companies sit at their desks flat out for the eight hours. They're up and down, walking around, chatting to people, having coffee, which is healthy. It's all good. It's all good stuff. It's, that's where the interaction yes. starts. And it's trying to create that. And I think it's it's making people feel not not shamed or guilty about taking those breaks. And that's that's the important. And then they, they go for a wonder at two o'clock in the afternoon and feel much better, get back at four or something and think, okay, I'm just going to carry on a bit more because I feel revitalized and energy, energy. Yes, you restore that energy. And uh, that is a very important thing that self-care is not selfish. Self-care is replenishing exactly like you said. And if we think nothing live or inanimate in, in the entire universe is expected to give anything without being nourished or replenished before. Like we fill our car with gas or petrol before we want it to run. Or if we want apples from the apple tree, we have to actually take care of that of the apple tree before, mm-hmm. right? So rest is not a reward for anyone. And uh, all high performers know that, that they... I read that, that 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 phrase. I've never heard it that way. Rest is not a reward. No, it's not. It's interesting because I, th- I think often we think we've worked hard, therefore I deserve to rest. Actually, we need is actually rest is not all. I write that. That's really yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and even uh, not not in every country in the world, but in, uh, in in a lot of countries, Sunday is the first day of the week. We start the week with rest. And then we we work out of that, you know, out of abundance and out of our generosity. And then, yes, rest is definitely not a reward and self-care is not selfish. Mm-hmm. And that's another way, actually, how companies can support the remote workers is help them, you know, with uh, like what are therapies or practice like yoga therapy? They don't have to be doing yoga today. What's popular is called laughter yoga. If you've heard of that, yes, I've heard of that. Yeah, laughter yoga. They get together and laugh for twenty minutes. I actually know uh, someone who's doing amazing work with that. Or EFT, you know, any kinds of EFT or tapping, as they call it in the US. Yeah, any kind of self-regulation techniques, breathing. And that can be done in short chunks of time mm-hmm. and that can be put into the schedule. And again, people need to be encouraged not to feel guilty for doing that mm-hmm. because they actually accomplish much more in shorter periods of time instead of sitting there and staring at their computer and just dragging, you know, dragging it out. Yeah. And you probably notice the same in, in your work. Yes, and I think, you know, I spend a lot of time on my screen anyway, but in terms of I'm interacting with a lot of people who are, you know, I had one client who I think he said, oh, I've got really more efficient now I'm working from home. You know, I can start at whatever really early, work late. I can see 
twice as many clients because I don't have to travel. And I'm thinking, and I can sense this overload going on. And it's great to have efficiency. I'm all for that. But actually, you're right. It's that making sure we look after ourselves first. Because um, I, I challenged him on, I said, what, what are you doing with all this commute time? I said, you know, well, I'm just filling it with work. And he literally was just taking his two hours commuting and just filling more work. And I think he, that's not sustainable. It's not, and that's mm-hmm. the key. Thing, it? It's making sure we put things in place. And your analogy of, you know, of a tree, you've got to look after a tree to get the fruits and we've got to look after ourselves to get the fruits and be mindful. Uh, just before we finish, is there anything else you want to add to uh, helping organizations sort of prevent uh, burnout? Well, one of the things is we should not expect the HR department to take care of people as it used to be in the past. That's, I mean, that's having the whole HR departments in burnout. Yes. And, um, and be- like I worked with teams my whole life before, the teams that have interaction within the team and where the team leader actually is relieved of some of the duties and given more time to serve the team members, those are the strongest, most resilient teams. Mm. And where I worked, our one obligatory meeting, like where everyone was required to show up, was on Monday and it had nothing to do with business processes. It was all about people sharing what happened what they did last week, what happened in their family. Sometimes they would even bring children, interaction and knowing everybody. And I will include, I have a bunch of uh, pieces of advice and a checklist and what what could be done on emotional, physical and spiritual level. Spiritual, I mean, values and that kind of Mm. stuff. I will include it all uh, in a document, in a PDF that, everyone can download for free and it's going to be on my website so you will have more information and more advice on what could be done to support your team members brilliant Lexi I appreciate you coming on and I thank you for some really uh, insightful um, aspects on helping people burn out and having you've experienced it yourself you know what it's like it's not very nice um, and uh, I will in, in the show notes we'll put the a link to that uh, pdf that people can then go and get that download and add to what else because we probably could have carried on talking for another few hours i'm sure about this uh, important topic um so how can people get hold of you if they're interested in connecting with you well they can uh connect with me on linkedin or they can go to my website it's lexi baikova l-e-x-i-e-b-y-k-o-v-a.com and uh, there's a tab resources so and they can find helpful information for themselves and or fill out a contact form and get in touch with me. I'll be happy to help. Brilliant. Thank you for coming on, Lexi. Appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. If you like this episode, then please do subscribe, do share with your friends and do check out other episodes in the series. If you're looking for support and help in your organization to create a resilient culture then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com thank you